I think it's just vital for us to call people into a holy advent. And I think it's God's will for people to have a new rhythm during this, this holy season. Welcome to the Fresh Expressions podcast, season four. I'm calling it the holiday edition. I'm your host, Heather Jalad. I'm a local pastor and a cultivator of Fresh Expressions, new faith communities that strive to reach new people in unexpected places. Season four will help you reimagine how you can leverage the fall season and the winter holidays to reinvigorate your church's relationship to your neighborhood and community. If you love this podcast, we hope you'll check out more. Head over to FX Connect an online community of church leaders who are reaching new people in new places and access our entire library of practical and inspiring training materials. You can register for free today at fxconnectus.org. And if you've benefited from this podcast, you can help us spread the word. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or just share your favorite episode with a friend or on social media. Welcome back to the Fresh Expressions podcast. This episode features three practitioners of Fresh Expressions talking about inviting everyone into the season of Advent, an Advent for everyone. John Davis, who was one of our featured speakers, is an Episcopal priest serving in Florida. He is also a trainer and mission strategist for Fresh Expressions North America. Johanna Myers is a United Methodist pastor serving in South Carolina and also as the Associate Director of Messy Church USA. Jonathan Coleman, also a United Methodist pastor, is serving in West Ohio and leads a network of fresh expressions. Take a listen in on this conversation, which I know you will appreciate as it engages all of the ages in this time and this season of preparation, the season of symbols, the season of journey from darkness to light. And if you benefit from this episode, we hope that you will share it with another church leader, share it on social media, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Now, on with the conversation. My name is John Davis. Uh, I'm on staff with Fresh Expressions, and I'm joined together today with Jonathan Coleman and uh, with Johanna Myers. And um, we're going to be talking with you to you about Advent and some of the sort of background, the historical kinds of things, sacramental, liturgical kinds of things. I'm going to be doing some of that, but then some very practical things about uh, celebrating Advent in the culture today and how we can do that. So. Um, Anyway, just as that that sort of gets us started in terms of that that's we'll uh, you'll hear from each of us as we go through this webinar together. But I'm going to frame my I'm going to do a first part here and frame this sort of as what I would call the Advent journey, and uh, and sort of talk about what some of the components that make up Advent and historically and and how we got here and why this is a part of the church calendar. Historically, uh, Advent began somewhere around the fifth century as a part of the, the in the life of the church as a way to prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And um, Advent at its, its sort of root meaning means coming or appearing. Um, and Advent carries a specific. I, I like this sort of to think about it in this way. When I think about spirituality or journey, Advent kind of carries its own cadence. You know, I'm uh, sort of a little bit of a musician in my life. And so most music is in um, uh, most of our common music is in four, four time. And that's sort of the steady four beats per measure kind of thing. But I think when when a church season changes, it gives us a chance to recognize that there's a different cadence. There's a different rhythm, a different uh, something for us to hear. And so maybe if if normal time is in four, four time, maybe Advent is in three, four time. And we need to pay attention to that cadence. We need to pay attention to how that shift takes place, because if we want to walk in in time with with the, the music, the cadence that's being tapped out. So we should notice uh, and take notice of an Advent rhythm. 
You know, in my sacramental liturgical frame, I'm an Episcopal priest. And as I uh, sort of come from that uh, more formal tradition in some ways, there are uh, things that occur, that changes that take place in our worship um, as this new church year begins. Really, Advent is the beginning of the church year. So you could say in some ways that in these last few days, we're, we're gearing up to a New Year's Eve, and then we'll have a new year that will begin when Advent starts. Um, the seasons uh, for us in Advent season, the colors change. We go from green to purple from a liturgical color. Um, uh, and purple is a color that is sort of uh, around penance. And I'm going to talk more about penance here in just a minute. But we don't have it typically in, in uh, traditional liturgical churches. There are no flowers during the season of Advent. Um, you might have greens in some churches might actually have a service of hanging the greens um, and or an event that sort of does that. Uh, and the Advent wreath is set up. And uh, during that time, and it's the Advent wreath was created out of evergreen, symbolizing um, everlasting life. That is life in the midst of winter, in the midst of death. Um, the circle reminds us of God's unending love and Advent candles are nestled around that circle. Additional decorations like holly and berries are sometimes added with that red color pointing to the sacrifice that Jesus made through his death and resurrection. Symbols communicate truth to us. They can they can give us a picture. They can sort of add to our understanding. And so that these symbols in Advent are important ones. Um, it's a season, Advent is a season of preparation. Uh, the church year is anchored in two cycles. Um, there's a cycle of life, and that is uh, Lent and Easter and Pentecost really make up the cycle of life. It's a journey from death to resurrection to life. And, and so that's one cycle. That's a, we, we might do one of a, a seminar on that at some point later webinar. But this Advent is, is the beginning of what we would call the cycle of light. And that is that we move from darkness into light. And with each week, the, as a candle is lit, uh, it gets a little brighter. Um, the church set Christmas uh, the Christmas celebration in response to the winter solstice. That is, the light of Christ was welcomed and celebrated on the darkest day of the year. And uh, Isaiah is one of the voices that we hear. We'll talk more about that. But in 9 2, he, uh, chapter 9, verse 2, he writes, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep, deep darkness, on them light has shone. So each Sunday, we light a, a candle in this idea that, that the light of Christ is coming into this world. He follows the, um, uh, the as I, later in chapter 9, it's where we have those wonderful verses, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. So this is this whole picture of this light coming into this world is announcing the coming of the Messiah to redeem and to save. So, like I said, each week we light another candle. And so, you know, I remember as a kid, the candles would, you know, the first candle would get very short uh, in terms of that because it had been burning for four weeks whenever we lit it at our dinner table and such. Um, and uh, as we do that, we need to understand that light has power. Light dispels darkness, as, it, as, as that text from Isaiah says to us. It also warms us. It's a light can, can be a comfort to us uh, in one way or another. And um, light can also be a healing uh, presence. I uh, have a grandson, and when he was born, when Baylor was born, he had a pretty severe case of jaundice. And guess what? He went through light therapy. By being exposed to ultraviolet light, it sort of drove the jaundice uh, from his body. And so light can have a healing factor as well. You know, as we think about the candles, typically in most traditions, you'll find three purple candles. The first two are purple, then the, there's a pink candle. And um, that's because on that that is lit on the third Sunday of Advent. And uh, why is there a pink candle? It stands for Godet Sunday, which means rejoice or joy. And it's the it's sort of signifying the fact that half of our uh, of our uh, Advent journey is over, and we're moving toward and shifting toward a focus on Christmas. Um, with that, I'm reminded of a kind of a fun story. There was a priest colleague friend of mine who was teaching a class of preschoolers. 
and uh, just sort of talking about different Advent symbols and the wreath. And and so this priest friend of mine asked the asked these little kids, why do we have a pink candle? And um, and the kids were sort of you know stumped by that question. They didn't know how to answer. They were puzzled. They were thinking it over until one little boy sort of just out of desperation, probably to, to chime in, said, did we really want to have a little girl? I always thought it was kind of a fun moment to sort of think about why do we have a pink candle? The pink candle is really there to signify our journey and uh, in, in terms of that. So Advent holds two primary perspectives, uh, maybe both of these intention. That is the idea that in Advent, we spend time remembering and we spend time anticipating. Uh, the balance uh, to balance these two elements, remembrance and anticipation, the first two Sundays of Advent uh, through to up to and through December 16th, typically look forward to Christ's second coming. We'll talk more about this in a minute. And the last two Sundays, December 17th to 24th, look backward to remember Christ's first coming. We would call this a, an active participatory memory to remember in this sense that it's not a passive thing, but it's an engaging memory that we share in. When Jesus um, institutes the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And that word remembrance, the word is animesis, which means an active memory and a participatory memory. And so we're invited into Advent to remember Christ coming into the world and to participate in that. And um, uh, and to and to be a part of of, of that, to linger uh, maybe in those places as we read the text, as we read the stories, as we hear the voices, as we listen to Isaiah, as we listen to John the Baptist, as we listen to Mary and shepherds, hearing their words, imagining these sacred and sacramental moments, we participate in our own journey to Bethlehem. Because that's what Advent is really about. It's about bringing us to this place where it's talking about the coming of Christ. And we'll the, once again, his second coming, but also his first coming. So Advent is to help us along in this journey to Bethlehem. Advent is also, not only is it a season of preparation, it's a season of penance. I was taught as a child, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, my mom being the very good Anglican that she was, taught me that, that Advent was a little Lent, that it was a, a shorter kind of Lenten time. That means that there was a time for reflection, for self-examination, uh, to recalibrate our devotion and worship of Almighty God. We're told at the announcement of Jesus's mission to repent and believe the gospel. The way we come to Christ is through repentance and, and through faith. Uh, in some ways, the message has become, in, in some places, pray and receive Christ. And that's those are elements of what it means to, to come into a relationship with the Lord. But really, if we, if we hear the gospel, this idea of repent, repent and believe the gospel, this becomes foundational. This is how we come into Christ. And so repentance is something that we need to sort of hold before ourselves. Advent is a season of repentance. It's aligning our lives, what we are, who we are, to the ways of God. The celebration, I love this, Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes, the celebration of Advent is possibly only to is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. Hear that anticipation in there. That there is this, we're looking, we know that we have a need, that we're broken, we need fixing, and Jesus is the one who can fix us, who can redeem us and save us and make us new. So part of that is in the season of Advent, a season of repentance and penance, we should cultivate Advent devotional tools, prayers, scripture reading, fasting, serving others, acts of charity, generosity, those external actions are uh, sharpen our faith and sharpen our practice. Not only is it, once again, a season of preparation, a season of penance, but it's also a season of hope. Um, we focus on the second coming and the consummation of the kingdom of God, where Jesus will return in full glory as King of kings and Lord of lords. Our hope is realized in this eschatological moment. Um, we think, you know, for a moment with me, 
Think of all the things that we do as Christians. We can make a long list of of what it means to be a Christian and, and specifically the actions that we take. We pray, we give, we serve, and, and that's part of our devotional life. It's part of who we are. We intercede for others. But there's coming a day when there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more tears, disease, or death, no more injustice, no more poverty. Our prayers will cease. What a day that will be. Another thing we do, we could talk about as Christians, is we study. We learn the scriptures. We learn the ways of God. We understand and can present the foundations, the fundamentals of our faith, the propositions of redemption and salvation, the nature and character of God as revealed in the biblical text. But there's coming a day when we won't have to study anymore because the scriptures tell us we will know fully, even as we are fully known. What a day that will be. We share the gospel. That's another thing that we do. We we go into all the world making disciples. We proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ. That work will come to an end, for God will call the elect from every nation, people, tribe, and tongue to himself, and he will be their God, and, and we will be his people. He will be our God, and we will be his people. What a day that will be. See, that's that hope and that anticipation. It's a, it's knowing that this world isn't always going to be the way that it is, the brokenness that we experience uh, in these days. Uh, we the, Another thing that we do is we worship. And of all the things that we do now, the one thing that we will continue to do in eternity is worship. And Advent gives us an opportunity to hone our worship in a particular fashion with a focus on the coming of Christ, both at his incarnation and his second coming. We should be filled with expectation and anticipation in the days of Advent. We are about to celebrate the nativity of Jesus, his coming to save and redeem the world, his entrance into human history as Messiah and the anointed one. Part of that is to understand that as we've come into Christ, as we are part of the church, we are a people who are in exile. We are strangers and aliens in this world, citizens of another realm with an allegiance to the kingdom of God. And Advent calls us to reflect on the violence and evil in the world and cause it, that causes us to cry out for, to God for him to make things right, to put to death's dark, to put death's dark shadows to flight, to see the world change and transform. The prayer of Advent is anchored in thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. That's the reality. Our exile in the present makes us look forward to, the, to our future exodus. And our own sinfulness and need for grace leads us to pray for the Holy Spirit to renew his work in conforming us to the image of Christ. While Advent is certainly a time of celebration and anticipation of Christ's birth, it is more than that. It is in the shadow of Advent that the miracle of Christmas can be fully understood and, and appreciated. It is in the light of Christmas and the Christian, the, the Christian life makes sense. It is between the fulfilled promise of Christ's first coming and yet to be fulfilled promise of his second coming that Karl Barth penned these words. He wrote, Unfil unfulfilled and fulfilled promise are related to each other as our dawn and sunrise. Both promise, in fact, in fact, the same promise. If anywhere at all, then it is precisely in the light of the coming of Christ that faith has become Advent faith, the expectation of future revelation. But faith knows for whom and for what it is waiting. It is fulfilled faith because it lays hold on the fulfilled promise. You know, we talk about the now and not yet sometimes when we talk about eschatology and the coming of Christ and things like that, that right now fully all of the promises of redemption are ours. But we also wait in the season of not yet, waiting for the consummation of the kingdom. And Advent points us to that as we as we, once again, it's this idea of remembering and anticipating the promise for Israel and the church is Jesus. The Lord has come to the earth and he will arrive again. And this is the essence of Advent. This background can yield in us an understanding of how we can benefit from Advent practices. The things that we do more so, we can invite others into an Advent moment, into these Advent moments, shining a light on the true meaning of Christmas. 
We can relish the secular cultural Christmas traditions. We can watch our favorite Christmas movies, sing the Christmas songs, buy gifts, attend parties, hang hang the lights and decorate our homes. We can put up a tree. We can visit Santa in the mall and all the other things and so much more. But Advent points us to something deeper. If we will look, we can discover greater meaning and purpose and point others to linger in the ever-growing light manifest of the birth of Jesus. The announcement to the shepherds becomes our invitation. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign you will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. See, saints, Advent is this road that we travel. It's how you and I get to Bethlehem. So that's a little background on Advent. I want to open it up for just a few minutes about uh, for some questions. And um, if you have some questions, you can put them in the chat. Um, and this is just on this section. We're going to do this after each of us have sort of shared our parts here. And um, so any questions that you might have right now, I invite you to put those in the chat and we'll take a couple minutes to answer them. And I don't want to hold us up. So if uh, we, we're going to move on then and uh, we'll have a, a kind of wrap up final Q&A at the end of this. And uh, I'm very grateful to work with Jonathan and Joanna. And Jonathan's going to come and, and tell us a little bit about some Advent opportunities and missional kind of moments uh, that, in some of the ministry and work that he does. Jonathan, I'll turn it over to you. Hey, thanks, John. Um, awesome stuff, brother. Man, I'm just typing away it's as, you're, uh, as you're speaking there. Um, uh, Wendy, if you put up that, that slide there, um, the prep time, uh, slide, I, uh, I do fresh expressions in, uh, several venues, um, three assisted living centers. And then I do uh, a fresh expression, um, in the little Miami brewing company, a, a brewery in Milford, Ohio here. And um, that's on the first and third Saturdays of the month at 1030 a.m. Um, we start a half hour before they open at 1030 and um, average about 40 to 50 people pre-COVID. We were we were up in the 80s and 90s uh, with our attendance at that brewery. Uh, I've been doing that for four years at the brewery. I have a great relationship with the uh, the owners of the brewery. And then I have a second fresh expression at another brewery on the fourth Saturday of the month uh, at Big Ash. Ash, I'm articulating that carefully, uh, brewery. And we have about 30 people. Uh, these are my congregations. Uh, I'm the uh, pastor of, of new uh, ministry development at Anderson Hills United Methodist Church in Cincinnati. And so I operate uh, various fresh expressions and assisted living centers. One fresh expression at an art studio. I had a dinner church for about three years that I started where I began uh, in fresh expression ministry. So most of the people aren't par a part of a, an existing congregation. And this is, this is really their means of worship. And one of the things that, that I always assume is that God is drawing each person nearer in relationship especially think about it, how, how God longs for, for that in the busyness and distractions that can come in the holiday season through our culture. And I think it's, it's just vital for us as ambassadors of the church to, to call people um, into a holy advent. And I think it's, it's God's will for people to have a new, new rhythm um, during this this holy season, and John's given you so much background uh, about what Advent is that we can that we can enri enrich our message. And so, I think I think it's good for our people to hear that prep time, which uh, one of the is one of the themes that I'm going to carry into my fresh expressions for the next uh, couple weeks, um, leading up to um, 
leading up to the weeks of, of preparation for Christmas. And so I want to give you just some practical practice today. Um, and, and this Saturday morning at, at our at our service, um, I got my bulletin right here um, that we pass out. Of course, it's got the prep time there um, where we'll have some some music that that John kind of referred to that that calling for a new rhythm type of music. And then point blank at the beginning of the message, after I kind of give them a little bit of a historic background on Advent is is asking them point blank how are you preparing for advent for advent not for christmas but for advent because you know we're the first sunday of advent is november uh 27th and and think about where we are as a culture in the preparations of the days ahead uh to christmas um many of our folks are caught up in consumerism and possibly unhealthy tendencies and traditions that that aren't good for the soul um you know we can call them to to give in a different way uh to receive gifts and give gifts in a different way and to consume less and john referred to you know a call to deeper study and and prayer practice mindfulness and breathing there's just so many ways that we can give people um nourishment for for this journey and searching especially for worship um in preparation for weeks ahead of of looking for christmas candlelight services and we we have six of those at anderson hills that that i'm going to invite them to so that they can already think about it six weeks ahead or a month ahead um, to begin to make uh plans for that christmas eve celebration of receiving uh the christ child uh the baby at bethlehem and so um, I'm going to take them to the gospel and really look at the groundwork of what John the Baptist did um, and the mission of his ministry um, in the gospel of Mark and the gospel of Luke is found in Isaiah 40, um, that, that especially that chapter in, in Luke's gospel where John preached repentance and it, it really stated um, what his mission statement was, what his active work was in the world. And I want to teach those people that that preparatory ministry of John the Baptist, um, he has a lot to say about uh, receiving um, Jesus Christ. And the gospel says this about him. And uh, again, this is from Isaiah 43 through five, a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. Crooked roads shall become straight. Rough ways smooth. And all the people will see God's salvation. Uh, aren't these great words to just begin to prepare your heart uh, for, that, for that journey of Advent to receive all that what John was talking about and and to open up uh, those places of, of of powerful metaphors presented before these folks to open up new places and new realities in their lives. And so I, I think that this is something I'm going to put before uh, our folks um, starting this Saturday and then all the rest of my uh, fresh expressions. Um, it's funny when you hear uh, metaphors like this, where it takes your brain and when I think of John the Baptist's work, I think of, I can't help but to think of um, planting potatoes um, in my own life. I have vivid childhood memories of a huge field uh, beside our, our farmhouse in Rising Sun, Indiana. And our farm was up on a ridge um, just above the Ohio River, um, a couple hundred feet. And we didn't have a fancy farm. We didn't have farm machinery. My dad had a small tractor and a plow, and there was just no way to get out some of these large rocks that were in the dirt. And so uh, we had that tractor and that small plow of disking, and um, my dad would have my three older brothers and I follow the tractor and get the rocks out of the soil. And we would find some pretty pretty sizable rocks out there on that half acre plot where we planted potatoes and it was long and tedious work. 
And my dad would plow the land over and over and over again to get that dirt ready to, to plant those potatoes. And I think the reason why my dad didn't want those rocks in there is because he wanted rock-free soil and rock-free rows for planting. And so he was getting that ground ready and ripe for growing um, some fine potatoes. And we, we had straight rows. We had fine potato, uh, potatoes, uh, plants that we would hoe. And um, we'd plant them and they'd pop up always nice and straight. And so those large crop of, not, of, of nice potatoes would come in and we had this basement where we poured the potatoes down in there and stored them. And uh, trust me, uh, I ate a lot of potatoes growing up in, in, on that Indiana farm. Um, but here's, here's the thing with, with the metaphor is that there's a lot of intentionality. And so when I hear make those, those paths straight for him, level the ground, rough out the smooth out the rough edges i think of those straight rows in a straight way um where the the ground is leveled through that excavating and that field is ready for planting and so these large rocks can be a hindrance uh to to make a, a straight path and so john was the dude that called uh people to get ready to make a straight path to make a, a place where that fertile uh, ground can be ready for uh, a, a savior, uh, a person that's going to bring wholeness and abundant life into uh, a person's life. And so that's that's a life that that is ready for uh, Advent after that happens. And so I think these these type of metaphors that are found in Scripture, especially the pre preparatory ministry of of John the Baptist, really are protective measures against that cultural rush to Christmas, to, to live out and to walk a holy advent. And, and I'm going to talk to the folks and, and point blank, ask them again at the end, you know, what are those rocks? What are the obstacles that God's calling you to remove uh, to get your life ready for that which God wants to plant uh, through the ministry of, of the advent journey? Um, you see, John the Baptist is talking about that spiritual preparation and transfer, transformation that accompanies the salvation of God, growing in holiness uh, in, of heart and life that comes from my Wesleyan um, background. And so John talks about this in, in the Gospels, um, the, uh, John the Baptist. And so we find that people can have that ground ready for that wholeness found in Jesus Christ and a heart that is ready uh, to receive. And I think that's what the, some of the practical ways that, that I, that I go to, that I'm going to this year, um, preparing my folks for a Holy Advent journey. And some of the things that I'm going to put in their hands, one resource is, um, and I, I would, I just got this today, so I wasn't able to put it up on the slide, but to give them an Advent journey, um, Bible reading plan that they can take for daily devotion. And we're, we're looking at, at the almost Christmas uh, coming from Wesley's almost Christian and talking about, um, do you almost have peace or do you have peace? Do you, or do you almost have hope or do you have hope? And so that's, those are some of the themes that we're going to present um, to our folks through the Advent journey when we do these fresh expressions. And so after the message, I want to give them just a, just a few minutes of silence to, to go and be with the living God and, and the pray to the Holy Spirit to remove uh, those things that don't belong and to meditate um, on beginning preparations for a Holy Advent. And then we also interact um, through our Facebook page uh, with our folks um, through our prayer room and uh, our Facebook page with our fresh expressions, our brewery fresh expressions. And, um, you know, we're, we're really talking about uh, an invitation to new rituals, new traditions, maybe them buying their first Advent wreath, uh, maybe joining um, Anderson Hills main campus on the journey. And, and I think the last thing that I'm going to tell them um, is that they don't travel this alone, um, that we do this in community together. 
um, as a fresh expression church um, together. Um, I want to close with um, a great hymn that I'm going to quote uh, at our service uh, on Saturday and, and the services that are coming up in our fresh expressions. It's from the hymn, uh, People Look East. People look east. The time is near of the crowning of the year. Make your house fair as you are able. Trim the heart and set the table. People look east and sing today. Love the guest is on the way. Furrows be glad, though earth is bare. One more seed is planted there. Give up your strength and seed to nourish. That in course the flower may flourish. People look east and sing today. Love the rose is on the way. And so I want to close my session here with Matthew Kelly. I love Matthew Kelly. He wrote this Advent prayer. He said, God of hope, I look to you with an open heart and a yearning spirit. During this Advent season, I will keep alert and wake and awake, listening for your word and keeping your precepts, for my hope is in you. Uh, Thank you, uh, John, for uh, introducing me. And I want to thank everyone uh, for joining us today. And uh, if you have any questions, just type them in there and I'd be happy to answer anything from my section. All right, guys, I think I, it's my turn next. Um, I hope and Wendy's got some slides for me. Um, I know we're going to do, um, Don, do you want to do questions now or do you want to circle back? Sorry, I've got you muted. Um, sorry, I put you on the spot. Um, let me do just one thing and then uh, I'll sure. turn it over to you, Joanna. Um, uh, Jonathan, there was asking if you can put in the chat a link to that almost Christmas devotion, if there's if that's out there. Uh, if you could put that in the chat, that would be great. And with that, okay. we'll do some Q&A at the end of uh, after Johanna has pre- uh, shared with us. So uh, glad you're with us, Johanna, and go take it away. All right. Thank you. Um, so my fresh expression, um, uh, such as it is, is um, a messy church. Um, so I'm coming at this from a more um, intergenerational approach and specifically kind of talking to those of you who are trying to figure out how to do um, Advent with a variety of ages. Um, so not just with children, not just with youth, but with all ages um, together. And what does that look like? Um, so so for me, a few things um, to keep in mind, um, kind of key key considerations. Um, don't plan things just for children or or just for one particular age group. Um, how can we draw all of the generations together? Um, there's so much research that backs this up as being um, the way to go in terms of faith formation and how do we pass on our faith um, to, to different generations. Um, so keeping things intergenerational, focus not just on one age group, but on how do we draw um, all ages together um, and keep it interactive. Um, how do we um, how do we call people into our liturgies? How do we call people into our Advent work? Um, so whether you um, are in a more traditional church setting with a traditional kind of Advent wreath, um, who are the people that you are involving in lighting that Advent wreath or sharing in um, in those liturgies? Or whether you're at a brewery or at an outside at a park. Um, who, how are you kind of including people, um, a variety of voices, but also how are we kind of getting um, beyond just listening and seeing, but actually kind of getting our, our hands a little bit messy. Um, Advent is such a beautiful season um, to be open to wonder. Um, there's so much of, of the season that is mysterious. Um, and, and even kind of heading into as we begin to um, slowly but surely um, tell the Christmas story, um, it's so mysterious. Like there's so many pieces that um, that give us pause to wonder. Um, and so this is a great opportunity to ask questions. I wonder um, type questions, and I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, final kind of key consideration before I get into practical ideas. Um, Y'all, this is one of those seasons of the year where we are so busy. 
Um, for better, or for worse, right or wrong, we are we are so busy. Um, and I think this is particularly true for our families and our families with young kids. Um, and so it is up to us as leaders to not make our folks' lives even more complex um, and in, even busier. Um, so whatever you do, keep it simple. Um, I don't know about y'all. I get com- completely overwhelmed at the beginning. Um, like when I'm starting to kind of think, what direction are we going to take this year for Advent? What are we going to, um, what can we do? How are we going to celebrate Advent um, together? There's so many options. Um, it's hard not to want to do everything. Um, but that just makes it, it makes the season frustrating and overwhelming as opposed to being mysterious and wonderful and, um, and holy. So keep things simple. So a few just kind of practical ideas um, for you to consider. Um, I'm going to start with making an Advent wreath or an Advent spiral. Um, the spiral is maybe a different approach to an Advent wreath. Um, this is um, a picture. Um, it's made out of, of salt dough. Um, and you can see the candles mark the four Sundays of Advent and then um, kind of Christmas Eve. And then there are little stones, little rocks kind of in the spaces um, to fill um, in between. This is a great thing to use as a congregation, but it's also something that's great to use at home. Um, So how do you kind of mark time? Um, Advent Advent calendars, um, yeah, you can go out and buy them, but it's also really simple to make. And it's a great interactive way to kind of, if you're making it, you get to talk about why, why do we, um, why do we mark time differently during the season? How do we tell time during the season? Um, the, the spiral itself is made out of salt dough, which is, um, I mean, that's a quick Google um, on on a recipe for salt dough, but salt, flour, and water. Um, it really doesn't get any um, simpler than that. So um, something to consider, can you make um, a wreath together, either in your fresh expression or kind of during worship? Or um, can you provide this for um, folks at home? Um, The next thing is um, maybe a different approach to to telling time, and that's um, creating a Jesse tree. Um, A Jesse tree comes from the the passage from Isaiah about there being a shoot that comes from um, the stump of Jesse. And the idea behind a Jesse tree is to tell um, the overarching story. Um, How do we... How do we get to Christmas? Um, and so it includes Abraham and, and Sarah. It includes David and Gideon and all kinds of, um, you know, Ruth, um, all the stories that kind of lead up to Christmas. And so um, this is a great um, way to um, to equip your families um, to do some work at home. Um, there are plenty of Jesse Tree resources online. Um, where you can kind of download whether it's ornaments that you can cut out. There are patterns for um, making them out of felt. Um, the ones that you see in the picture here are simply just printed out, um, and um, and they've used branches um, to create this Jesse tree. You could even use a, a Christmas tree and turn it into a Jesse tree. So another um, another kind of tool that you can use to equip your families. Um, thinking beyond the home and even maybe beyond worship, um, sponsor something like a sheep trail. Um, this is a this comes out of the the messy church um, family of resources. Um, my church in Greenville, South Carolina, has been doing a sheep trail for um, I think this year is our ninth year um, doing a sheep trail downtown. We have a great downtown area in Greenville, South Carolina, and. Um, so we invite local businesses to partner with us. Um, this is an older picture, but you can see um, one of our stuffed sheep that is hidden at a store. And um, we print off trail cards and invite people to go um, and um, and search out for these sheep. It's a great way to introduce the Christmas story. It's also a great way to invite people to your um your worship services um, or to anything else that you have planned um, 
for the season. Um, there's a link um, on the slide, which isn't very helpful for you, but it will be coming out in um, in a, an email later. But that link will um, get you to a video that kind of gives you a little bit more information about a sheep trail. Um, it's one of our favorite um, kind of traditions in in my my neck of the woods, at least. Um, another idea that is similar, um, which um, is new to me, and I'm excited about kind of thinking about what this might look like um, for our church next year, is a storytelling pilgrimage. Um, this resource comes from um, the Building Faith community. Um, again, online, that link is coming to you. Um, but they've created an outdoor um, story walk. Um, and each, you see the, the families kind of gathered at the sign um, they're learning about different parts of the story. Um, it, it's almost like it's not quite a elaborate. Um, it's, it's a small version of a pilgrimage, so to speak. But how do you kind of walk through um, the Christmas story in an, in an intentional way? This would be a great opportunity um, to invite families at different times other than maybe your usual planned um, worship services. Um, so Another way of kind of thinking about how do we intentionally walk through um, the story? How do we intentionally kind of think through um, not Santa Claus, not the what you see in the stores, not that, but, but kind of walk through um, the Christmas story. For us, one of our favorite traditions during the season is hosting an interactive nativity. This is part of our, um, this is our big messy Christmas um, tradition at Aldersgate. It really is for me one of um, my favorite parts of the year. Um, we tell the the Christmas story. We do this kind of closer to Christmas, um, and we invite folks to um, to dress up. Um, we provide um, opportunities to kind of dress and make um, wise men crowns. And you can't see in the picture, but there's a whole choir loft full of angels um, with paper plate, angel wings, um, and whatnot. But it's a very simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, but we invite folks to join us in the telling of the Christmas story um, so that people begin to see it not as the story that happened long ago, um, but one that is also something that we are invited to kind of join in and participate. So where do you see yourself in the story? Um, so a great um, way to kind of think about that. Um, now, maybe you don't have the space or um, maybe your first expression isn't something that you could necessarily host um, an interactive nativity. Um, but what would it look like to send your folks home um, with a nativity scene um, that they can use in their own home or, um, you know, kind of help help them find a nativity scene to use at home. Now, we could easily just set this nativity up um, at the start of Advent and kind of call it a day. But um, one of the easiest ways to kind of have a teaching moment in, as families is to, um, is to put this out, put the nativity set out slowly. Um, so what, to start with Mary um, and think about Mary. Start and then, then maybe add Joseph. Um, then maybe add um, the angel and then the shepherd. Um, then on Christmas Eve um, or even Christmas Day, find, you know, baby Jesus and add baby Jesus. And then as we kind of get into Epiphany, add those wise men. So how do we not jump straight into, you know, a full nativity scene, but how do we tell the story and tell it slowly and intentionally? Um, some families can um, might even think about hiding um, different pieces of the, um, maybe kind of taking that elf on the shelf, um, uh, you know, tradition and, and finding a way to to tweak it a little bit for um, um, for for Christian kind of approach to um, to telling to the season. Um, this is also something that you could do even in your larger um, community. Um, if you have a larger nativity scene, um, how do you use those pieces that can be handled and touched and moved around um, and slowly kind of added to so that you're not just jumping straight into like a full kind of complete nativity set? 
Um, I mentioned the wondering together. So I just kind of threw up a couple of stories um, or a couple of questions that, that as examples, you know, I wonder what God's up to in this story. I wonder what God is up to with John the Baptist. I wonder what God is up to um, in these passages from Isaiah that we read. I wonder where we are in the story. Um, I wonder what Mary was thinking. I wonder what Joseph was thinking. Um, those kinds of questions are um, are so important, particularly when we are inviting young people and, and new folks into um, these mysterious and old ancient stories. Um, where, you know, where is, how can we embrace the wonder of the season? Um, so I hope these ideas are helpful. Um, I know we're going to have links um, and in, in the follow-up email and stuff like that. So um, different resources for you to consider how you might draw um, all ages together. All right. Uh, we're just going to have a few minutes here to wrap up. If you have questions and want to put them in the chat, we'll do that. There's one that um, Eileen uh, posted a little while ago, and I've kind of I want to share it, and uh, we'll, we can respond to it in different ways. Us and and, and uh, maybe some things she said. Sometimes the Advent season can be difficult time for those who have lost someone. My mother-in-law passed away on December 11th last year. I can see uh, fresh expressions being helpful for those with seasonal depression. And I think that's a, you know, we have to realize, especially having gone through the pandemic and, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of woundedness uh, in the world. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering, but as we kind of, I think the message of Advent, the message of hope is one that really can, can surround people in that moment, can really comfort them. As I said, one of the properties of light is warmth and comfort. You know, it, 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 can give us light, can let us see things that maybe we couldn't see before. But I think it's important for us, you know, that wherever we are, and and I find this uh, in my travels of whether it's on a plane or just going to the market, going shopping, being at a restaurant, you know, trying to be attentive to to the waitress who's waiting on me or or be attentive to the person at the checkout. And I think it's bringing that kind of intentionality to um to the relationships that are around us even though they might we might not know their name that that we can be kind and merciful and compassionate and we can breathe hope into this world and i think that's part of what whether it's lighting candles or whether it's um you know uh telling stories whatever those things are those are opportunities for us to engage with people uh on the on the themes of advent of of hope and anticipation of remembering and and such and then i think also celebrating the communion of saints for those that have had a lot that are in loss or suffering from grief in one way or another is to remind them that of of the saints who've gone before the cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on jonathan or johanna do you want to say anything to that yeah we uh we communicate to our folks um uh, we hold an annual remembrance service. Um, it's going to be Monday, December 5th. And we, we throw it out there for, for everyone, um, just giving them something to, to look forward to if they can come you know, and light a candle. Remember, I'm doing the message. I actually um, have my counseling degree and I lead uh, Grief Share at our, uh, at our church. And, and these are the hardest days of the year. For people who are grieving, especially who have lost loved ones within that first and second, third anniversary um, time. So I think if if you can put something together in the next couple of weeks, you know, as a service of remembrance, you know, and that could be, I think, I think the person pointed out that could be an excellent fresh expression opportunity as well. So. Yeah. We're going to be hosting a longest night service. Um, for us, it's, in the past, it's been a blue Christmas service. Um, but this year, the longest night, um, which is December 21st, falls on a Wednesday night. Um, and so we're going to be hosting a, a small service for that. And, and just to kind of lean into um, this idea of kind of, built, you know, the the grief and making space for that um, and for people to share. Um, it's such a great opportunity. I know we think about candlelight and Christmas Eve. But on those kind of dark nights of December, um, bringing out kind of candles, candlelight, if you're 
if you are in a part of the country where you can be outside for any length of time during at night in December, um, what would it look like to take your, um, you know, to take a service of, of remembrance or a long night, longest night service outside with candles? Um, thinking about kind of the evergreen, you know, and the promise of God that is evergreen. There's a lot of symbol or symbols around that. Um, and it is, um, as Jonathan said, it is such a hard time for people. It is not the most wonderful time of the year for, for most anybody who's lost someone close to them. Um, so it's a good opportunity to think about how we can use those symbols. Yeah. And I think once again, folks are putting in the chat different things about the Blue Christmas liturgies, and I've seen those and been a part of those in the past. I think it's also sometimes um, I've been sensitive to folks who are in recovery, that this is a, a hard time sometimes for them and to surround them in those moments as well. And uh, I think it's interesting to catch the name here. Um, Mary Ann talked about that, you know, to acknowledge that and honor in a sense, the darkness that because there's this is a dark world, but Jesus and Jesus was born into the darkness of a stable, she writes. And there's something about Christ entering in those places. That is really the incarnation kind of moment. God with us, Emmanuel. And, and hopefully Advent it can be a path for us to remember that, you know, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, neither height nor depth nor principalities nor things on the earth or under the earth, but how, you know, or anything in all of creation can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ. And that Jesus is with us. Um, he, uh, you know, I, we talk about this a lot in Fresh Expressions, that it's a ministry of withness that Jesus has, that he was with people and he was with outcasts and people that were, you know, different and other. And uh, we're called to do the same in this moment. So um, I, I think there's there's a lot of things that we can do in terms of going back to what I was sharing about all those various themes of, of preparation, of penance, of hope, uh, those kinds of things. And then the specific ideas that Jonathan and Johanna have, have shared on things that we can do to sort of leverage these these ideas and concepts into the world in, a, in an effective way that reaches people with good news that surrounds them with hope that surrounds them with life and so um that's really what we have so with that uh, being uh, from the book of common prayer one of my favorite resources that we have uh, is is the first prayer or the prayer for advent the first sunday in advent let's pray almighty god give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life, when which your son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you all for being with us. And, uh, and we will see you, I hope, again at sometime in the future. God bless. Fresh Expressions is a worldwide movement of everyday missionaries who want to see churches thrive in the places we live, work, eat, and play by leveraging the creativity and endurance of the inherited church. To learn a simple five-phase process for starting a new expression of church, go to freshexpressions.com backslash how to start. Want to learn more from the Fresh Expressions team? Head over to freshexpressions.com slash training to learn ways we can work together to provide coaching, training, and inspiration for your church or organization. You can also get more resources like this on FX Connect, an online community full of other church leaders passionate about reaching new people in new places. Access our entire library of practical and inspiring training materials and connect with other church leaders at fxconnectus.org. Season four of the Fresh Expressions podcast is hosted by me, Heather Jalad. It's edited by Joel Limbaum and produced by Jeanette Statz, Kathleen Blackie, and Chris Morton. Our national director is Dr. Christopher Backert. If you have learned something or been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word. You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and share this episode on social media. Now, may God bless you in your work for the kingdom.